Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. If you could comply to just one thing today, could you hit the like and subscribe buttons down below? Also, I've set up a channel membership just in case you want to show your support and help keep story time going for as long as possible. So if you love my videos or want to have your comments shown like this one by Phantasm, click the join button below this video. That said, our first story of the day is by God AI Studios. Have to be the one on the phone? Okay then. This is a tale from my days in working at a gas station. The manager was this crusty and frigid woman who looked like she sucked on lemons as a normal thing. When I started, she said that if anything ever happened and had to call, such as if you were sick, you had to be the one to talk to her personally. It couldn't be a family member or a friend, no exceptions. A couple of weeks into the job, and my coworker had a slip and fall when doing some of the janitorial work around the bathroom. It didn't seem that severe at the time, but she was definitely having issues. Still, the boss needed to be called, so I handed the phone to my coworker because she had to be the one on the phone. Ultimately, an ambulance was called and my manager showed up and started chewing me out for my lack of common sense. I remind her of the rule and shut down the conversation after that. If you found yourself in that situation with a manager chewing you out for doing such a thing, would you try and point it out how ridiculous their policy had been from the beginning to them? Maybe ask them, if they slipped and hit their head, should I have not have called at all? Maybe reconsider your policy. Let me know what you guys think about this policy in the comments down below. Our next story is by the True Facts Man, locking a kid out with a snake. When my dad was a kid, his mom gave him two rules. No friends in the house when no adult was home, and if when you're playing outside you see a snake, go inside immediately. You can guess where this is going. He was playing outside with a friend and saw a snake. So he went inside and closed the door on his friend and the snake. He probably didn't mean to be malicious, but you've got to admit that's pretty harsh. I can just picture OP's dad there as a kid slowly closing the door like, I'm sorry man, my mom told me to. Run for your life, you can still make it out of here. Kachunk. Lock. This next story is by MikeMOJC. Try to pile on more work to increase your bonus? Not gonna happen. I oversee a team of a dozen folks when it's fully staffed. We had a fellow move out of state for school. A lady retire to care for her grandkids when her daughter got sick. Then three people promote up within the organization all within four weeks time, so almost half the team suddenly became unavailable. While I'm involved in the recruiting and onboarding process, management up to three levels above me tends to be a bottleneck. Each time someone lets me know they were moving on, I informed management and gave them a running total. We're at 84% staffing, we're at 66% staffing, etc. Ads were placed, first round interviews conducted by me and a team lead, second interviews recommended to the next level of management, and that's where the process suddenly stopped. 
for a week, then two, then three. It commonly takes two to three weeks after hire to bring a new person up to speed to start being productive, and perhaps eight weeks for a new person to reach 90 to 95% of median productivity goals. The existing team was ready to pull together and work harder to keep up with the work, but I took each one aside and coached them that the heavy workload they were under was not their problem to solve. Yes, customers were complaining. Yes, other groups in the organization were getting frustrated that our team wasn't getting things done in a timely fashion. I encouraged them to work efficiently and well, but to not put in extra unpaid time or contribute their own resources to projects. And if anyone was insistent in their complaints regarding the team's productivity, send them to me and I would explain the situation. Middle and upper minglement across the organization started vocalizing about how little work was getting done when I played the Uno reverse card that, hey, all we need is adequate, well-trained staff and we'll be able to keep up. And managers 1, 2, and probably exec 1 all have potential interviewees on their desks for almost a month now. I started getting the stink eye from those folks. I found out later that one or a couple of those folks that I report to, and were also the next rungs in the hiring ladder, had proposed the idea that this team could run just as well a little leaner, so they arranged to find out. Oopsie daisy! Metrics indicated that organizational goals weren't met because of their decision, but I was able to provide the stats that prove the team's individual goals were met, and that in many respects, per-person efficiencies were improved. My team members got their bonus, middle management failed to achieve, so no bonus for them that year. I think it never fails to be one of the most disgusting things when you find out some kind of higher up manglement thinks their team could work a little leaner if everybody just worked that much harder, so they try to squeeze the team into both working harder and working with fewer hands. It's no surprise that work started piling up and everybody started getting stressed out. Manglement that works like that doesn't deserve to just not get a bonus, they deserve to get replaced. This next story is by 5 Frog Margin. This is less malicious compliance than anal retentative compliance, but I kept my job and the villain got punished. I hope you enjoy it. Some years ago, I got a job tankering a barge. A barge is basically a floating container that gets towed around port to port. Tankering means to load it with fuel or whatever product you carry and discharge it in another port. There were two other tankermen, but we worked four weeks on, two weeks home. I'd worked two weeks with one of the other tankmen, two weeks with the other. I was pretty new to tankering, but I'd been working on boats for a few years and enjoyed it. There was little I liked more than getting on a ratty, rusty boat and chipping rust and painting till the boat was looking sharp, but I was a novice tankerman, and this boat was not looking sharp. Rust everywhere, storerooms a mess, dirty inside and out. The two other tankermen were of the opinion they were tankermen only, meaning they did nothing but tanker the barge despite their job titles being deckhand and tankermen. They felt chipping and painting was beneath them and did no other work. Both of them were from down south. One a Cajun, I'll call Gumbo, and a black guy from Mobile, I'll call Darnell. For my first trip, they both took a dislike to me. Darnell mostly because he was lazy and just wanted to hang out on the stern and fish. Once I started busting butt around the ship, he knew he had to start doing something and he didn't like that. Gumbo, however, he really hated me. He considered himself a barge captain, a title that didn't exist except in his mind, and saw me as a threat to his imaginary throne by, gasp, improving things. It wasn't just the boat. 
I got all the old load plans of the places they were cramming them, organized them by fuel amount, and put them in a binder. That way, when the customer said, please load 68,840 barrels for us, I would flip to the closest previous load to that amount, and we would see how much to put in each tank to match the amount. As a result, loads started getting closer and closer to the requested amount, making the customer happy. Gumbo and Darnell tended to just wing it, but being new, I was a little anal retentive about doing it properly. When I'm in unfamiliar territory, I tend to be anal retentive to the point of OCD to make sure I get it right. Also, I really, really did not want an oil spill on my watch. This went on for months, me getting more and more comfortable with tinkering and annoying the other two by organizing storerooms, cleaning and organizing lockers, and generally making the boat a better place. Heck, I was even cooking. Strangely, there weren't too many accolades coming my way, and thanks to the assistant engineer, Jim Bob, I found out why. You see, when Big Boss would come, it would tend to be when I was home. Gumbo and Darnell were bad-mouthing me behind my back, harping on my lack of experience, magnifying small errors, and concern trolling that they were just trying to be safe. Even worse, all the changes I made, they took credit for. It wasn't, OP cleaned out the paint locker, it was, we got the paint locker cleaned out. Jim Bob often worked extra hitches, and was a witness to everything. Jim Bob was a good guy, but from a poor town in Louisiana, dropped out of high school at 15, and was functionally illiterate. His illiteracy kept him from advancing, and as he was the only crew member to befriend me, I helped him out with his job, showing him all kinds of tips to streamline things like putting an Excel spreadsheet on his work computer that allowed him to quickly track and monitor fuel and lube use. After a while, he began relaying to me what was happening behind my back. His exact words, you and I are like brothers, so I say to you as a brother, they're out to get you. I kind of figured this was going on as they both begun to play the passive-aggressive game we in the industry call playing Freak Freak, so I knew I was the odd man out. About this time, one of the barge's pumps went out, and the first thing the mechanic said was it was due to lack of maintenance, meaning tankermen weren't lubing, oiling, or greasing the pumps. At crew change, Big Boss came down to chew us all out, and like a fool, I said I had no idea we were supposed to do these things. Naturally, 100% of the blame came down on me for this, and my response was humility, asking what needed to be done. Big Boss made out a maintenance plan that the pumps would be serviced every two weeks, to be done with the tankerman returning, with a log of the work done to be completed. After what Jim Bob told me, I decided to adhere to a compliance to the point of obsession. I would know those pumps so well I could teach a course on them. As I'd just returned that day, I went full on OCD, doing every check, measurement, fluid level twice and logging it all. I asked Jim Bob what kind of grease and how many squirts to use. I counted the squirts and logged them. He had all the grease, so I had to get it from him. I logged all of my maintenance in the logbook. Not only that, Jim Bob had all the grease in the engine room, so I had to get it from him. I logged that too. One tube marine grade number 2345 whatever. Jim Bob and I also went over to the pump with a fine-toothed comb and found every one of the grease points. I added that list to the maintenance log. Funnily, I noticed that whenever I came back, the logbook, which was really just a handful of pages set aside in a crappy notebook we kept in the crew area, hadn't been updated since I'd left. It occurred to me I was the whipping boy. Gumbo and Darnell really thought they had me where they wanted me. 
and didn't you freak all on the barge? Months later, one of the other barges had a minor fire due to overheating about three days before I was supposed to arrive. Company hired a third party to check all maintenance fleet-wide and ours didn't do well. Big Boss came down with notes to ensure we were following the protocol he laid down. Big Boss asked if we'd been doing the required maintenance. At this point, I'd been freaked by these guys for over a year and had calmly practiced my response to any question. When Big Boss asked if we'd been following the protocol, I replied that I did it within a day of my arrival every six weeks. Darnell mentioned that the pumps were so dry when he arrived, it looked like they ain't been greased in months. I replied that I could guarantee they'd been greased at least once every six weeks, as I was the one that greased them. Then Darnell made the mistake of saying something that set the whole situation aflame. Okay, well, if you say you'd been doing maintenance, okay, they just look to me like they're starved for oil. I say, I get them the day I get back every time. I even log my work. Do you? Darnell says, log it where? Where do you log it? Drunk butt captain says, I ain't never got a request to log anything. I say, in the maintenance log Big Boss requested months ago. Gumbo and Darnell say, what? What log is that? The logbook tended to be ignored by the other two, and usually when I got back, it was buried under newspapers and triple X mags. I walked up to the tray underneath the TV and pulled it out. I casually flipped to the maintenance log section and showed them the places I'd logged the work I'd done. As an added bonus, I actually started an entry for the next guy. So all he had to do was fill in the numbers. Stuff like name, date serviced, hours run, oil amount added, filters changed, yes or no. Naturally, it was all blank. As an added bonus, I had made sure to not wash my hands before log entries, so I couldn't be accused of pencil whipping due to the greasy fingerprints. I sat quietly while Big Boss, Gumbo, Darnell, and the captain read the maintenance log consisting of my entries and my entries only. Me and Jim Bob just watched each other expressionless. Both Gumbo and Darnell tried to cover for each other, claiming they'd seen the other doing the required maintenance. But Big Boss was no dummy. Where'd you get the grease and filters from? I see no record of transfer from the engine room to the barge. Darnell said, well, we get the grease from Jim Bob all the time. I've asked for at least four, five tubes. Ain't I Jim Bob? All eyes on Jim Bob. Jim Bob did the most amazing thing. Scowling at Darnell, he stood up, threw his coffee cup in the trash, and walked the 20 feet to his cabin. The slamming of the door was like a judge's gavel coming down. I took the dark path. Big boss, I'm sorry for any problems. After what happened in April, I've been obsessed with ensuring the pumps were properly maintained on my watch. I'm happy to show you where all 17 grease points are and my routine for servicing them. I know the pumps backwards and forwards at this point. He said, OP, that won't be necessary. I've seen all I need to. He snapped the logbook shut and told the captain, we'll talk later, and disembarked the vessel without another word. There's no sexy ending here. Gumbo got transferred to the punishment boat, the worst boat and barge in the fleet, and got written up for arguing with the captain on his first god darn hitch, last I heard. We got a new tankerman, bizarrely a cousin of Darnell's, but I was pretty confident at this point and took the lead in training them. Darnell was a always-be-on-the-winning-team kind of guy, and let me take the lead. We wound up with a pretty good crew, hard-working, hard-partying, just how I like it. When they hired a new captain, he was a guy that had come up with Big Boss, which is why he got the job. 
and he told Big Boss, You know OP is about the only guy worth a crap on here. I still have the eval he wrote for me. It's on my darn LinkedIn page. The fact alone that OP completely complied to this guy's request, while the lazy guys completely forgot, and OP went to the extent of every time leaving in blank categories for these guys to just fill out, and they still couldn't do even just that is the icing on the cake. This was a great story, but with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.